Listening to the Rebel Instinct Podcast by Acton Software for all the marketing innovators living outside the box. Hey everybody, good to have you here. We are excited to elevate our Rebel Instincts today. I am Galen Etlin with Acton Software, joined by my VP of Marketing, Casey Monk, and our very special guest, John Miller, co-founder of Marketo and Engageo, and current CMO of Demandbase, an OG marketing rebel in the house. John, thank you so much for being here. Yeah, thanks very much. It's uh, great to be friends and hanging out with Acton. Excellent. Well, we appreciate hearing it. Now, you came up with a completely new marketing tech category with Engageo for account-based marketing or ABM. What led you to create that? Tell us about that journey. Sure. Well, I will say I don't feel like I came up with account-based marketing. Uh, the term had been around for a little while, um, but I certainly helped, I think, pour a lot of fuel on the fire uh, from some sparks that were already there. So, you know, I was at Marketo, I was doing, um, you know, drinking our own champagne. We were doing demand generation uh, to drive up to 80% of all of our pipeline. You know, and as Acton listeners will know, I mean, marketing automation is really useful for this stuff. You know, we, we, we were generating leads and then we would nurture the ones that weren't ready for sales and score them and only pass them to sales when they were really ready. And that was a, it was nice because salespeople weren't talking to buyers who weren't interested and, and market and buyers didn't have to talk to salespeople before they were ready, but it wasn't sufficient for driving our growth engine. As we got bigger and we were trying to move up market, we needed new engines of growth. And so we started at Marketo doing more of an outbound strategy to like identify some accounts and try to really reach out to them proactively. That's that's kind of what became known as account-based marketing, you know. But but what inspired me to start Engageo was the fact that the strategy worked, but it was uh, really hard to do with with um, this tech stack that I had, you know, of a sort of a person-based marketing automation plus a CRM. We sort of needed a third a third pillar of that stool, which is something that would be more account-based. So that that's what led to Engageo. And I really used an analogy at the time, you know, that traditional demand gen is like fishing with a net. You run your campaign. You don't care which fish you catch. You just care, did you catch enough fish? Whereas uh, account-based marketing is like fishing with a spear uh, where you identify those big fish and kind of go after them. Now, taking kind of a step back here for both of you, my marketing experts here, I know it's a pretty technical skill, lots of numbers, lots of critical thinking. It's complicated enough, probably in some people's view. What about MarTech speaks to you? Why approach that space? Well, you know, so I graduated with a degree in physics in 1994. Um, and I think there's two relevant pieces of that. You know, the first is that uh, a book came out in 1992 called The One-to-One -One Future by Don Peppers and Martha Rogers um, that described you know, a vision of a future world that's where where we could be as personalized as a corner store, you know, an 1800s corner store that really knows you, but we could do that at industrial era scale. Um, and the way that would happen was through better use of data and analytics to really understand the customer. And that really was pretty inspiring to me back uh, at the very beginning of my career. Um, and the physics component was, you know, it turns out that the more that that it drive towards the one future is a drive that makes marketing more analytical and more quantitative. Um, and I found that, you know, it was just really kind of 
cool that I was able to use my quantitative skills in the practice of marketing. So John, ABM has moved from a buzz term to core philosophy of really just good prospecting. What do we need to know about how ABM has evolved over the years, where we are today and where we're headed? Yeah, I mean, ABM has definitely evolved. Um, and I think the biggest thing that's driven that change is a recognition that the way the early practitioners were doing it was also flawed. And the flaw is really built in the analogy I talked about a couple of minutes ago, which is it doesn't feel very good to get poked by a spear. And, you know, the problem with early ABM was that we were reaching out to accounts regardless of whether they were actually interested in hearing from us. Whether they were warm, right? Yeah, you know, and so we sort of had lost that respect for the buyer that demand generation had. Uh, and so I actually started using a new term called account-based experience or ABX, which tries to take the precision and targeting of ABM, traditional ABM, but combine it with that um, respect for the buyer experience that kind of demand generation had. And the unlock that makes that possible is the rise of things like intent data that lets us really start to see when an account might be in a buying cycle or showing interest mm -hmm. uh, that you know was otherwise previously hidden. You know, with with tools like you know Act On, we can score when people based behaviors based on what people are doing on our own website, but we're losing what's happening, or we don't see what's happening out on the open web. And when we can sort of start having access to that kind of data, it lets us understand where each account is in its journey, and then adjust our go to market accordingly. So I think that's really kind of the biggest evolution um, of is sort of this move from ABM to ABX. And by the way, it's also just a better name because it takes marketing out of the tip, the name. That's so know. true. I like that a lot. Well, you know, ABM software definitely more than ever before, I think is emerging as the necessary go-between the marketing automation and the CRM platforms. Um, what are you seeing? What are you thinking are the latest elements of ABM software that are bridging that gap between the core, that those two core systems that are really helping make sales and marketing lives easier and more effective. I sort of like to answer that by kind of talking about the use cases or the things that you do, you know, with this technology. Um, so the first one is building just an account-based foundation. And that starts with that challenge I was having back at Marketo. You know, if all your other systems are primarily lead-based, you need things like lead to account matching um, to to take all those disparate signals. You know, what's happening in your web with your website and your marketing automation and your Salesforce, even your Gmail or your Exchange servers where the emails are sitting. Mm -hmm. You know, you got to combine all that together, match it, clean it, keep it up to date, and then ideally augment it with quality third-party data. So that's sort of the step one is just getting that account foundation, data foundation in place. The second one is then finding the accounts that matter. You know, how do you kind of use your account intelligence to identify which accounts you should be focusing on, who's in your ICP? How do you help tier them into tier one, tier two, tier threes based on their potential value? How do you know where are they in their journey? So you know, hey, this one is just 
aware of you, but not really engaging, but this one is hot and ready to go now. Um, and use all that intelligence to prioritize your time and efforts. Once you have that in place, you can now, the third main use case is engage. And now you want to engage with the accounts and the people at those accounts in a really coordinated, orchestrated way. So that can mean things like pushing those insights into your marketing automation. So your nurture tracks dynamically adjust based on where that account is mm -hmm. in the journey. But it can also mean things like advertising to those accounts or personalizing the website when people from those accounts visit to you or launching outreach or sales loft cadences when accounts hit kind of that magic and market moment. It's all about orchestration. And I love the word orchestration because you know it implies you have these different instruments, these different channels, but you wanna make them all kind of work in harmony. The fourth use case is all about closing these accounts or aligning and aligning with sales. So it's taking all this information you have about what's going on and making sure that the sales team has access to that inside their CRM when they're working with the accounts. Um, and then the last use case is measurement. As you move into an ABM world, your metrics are going to be a little bit more or definitely going to be focused more on quality and less on quantity. It's not about how many MQLs anymore. Mm -hmm. It's about either did you get MQLs at the right accounts? Right. Or did you get MQAs, marketing qualified accounts? Um, and so there's new metrics that you're going to want to kind of use um, to, to measure this world also. I think it's easy for a lot of us to get kind of stuck in a rut, right? So what advice do you have for those marketers out there to be a little bit more, say, rebellious or innovative in their jobs? Yeah, I, there's an acronym that I really like here, which is that I would encourage marketers to be nice marketers. So this acronym NICE, you know, the N, this stands for you should be uh, numerical, numerate. And this goes back to what we said, you know, earlier, marketing is getting pretty technical. So, you know, so you, you know, you should have a proficiency with numbers, with, an, you know, spreadsheets, you know, at a minimum. You don't have to be a physics major, but, you know, you shouldn't be scared of a spreadsheet. At the same time, I think you should be intuitive. Marketing is art, not just science. It's both. You know, you need to be able to understand what does your target audience care about? What's going to resonate with them? How are you going to create marketing that has a little bit of a wow factor um, for your target audience? C stands for being a um, content creator. Um, I think, you know, con marketers, everybody in marketing should be a content creator, not just the content team. Right. So whether that's you know writing blog posts or putting your opinions out on LinkedIn or you know and building your own personal brand accordingly, or hosting a podcast, or you name it, you know, just just producing content is I think part of it's so core to what marketing is doing. Every every marketer should be a content creator. Um, and then the E is execution. And you know what? A grade. A execution of a grade B plan will pretty much always be the grade B execution of the grade A plan. So, you know, just big part of being a rebellious marketer is getting out there and just getting stuff done. Yeah, I'd never heard the nice. That's awesome. I'm going to be using that. Thanks, John. What does it feel like to take a chance and not knowing the outcomes? How do you make a rebellious move at work knowing there may be consequences? I think every time I've taken a risk, 
there's always been some mitigation, if you will, or, or, or something that kind of protected my downside. Um, and so put another way, it's smart risks. Right. So for example, not career oriented, when I graduated from college, um, I set out to ride my bike across the country along with a friend of mine. And we, you know, camping the whole way, bringing our own gear. Uh, this is road bicycling, not a motorcycle. That's a big trip. And yeah, and we made it to somewhere in the middle of the Nevada desert, uh, at which point we kind of had a, a crash. Um, and my friends like fell, fell down and actually cracked his helmet. Um, at which point, you know, he was obviously a little injured and we were both shaken up, you know, and so fortunately, you know, we were able to, um, get some help to take us to the closest airport. So rather than giving up from the, on this whole bike trip, we were just able to kind of change directions. Uh, and we ended up biking down the Pacific coast instead from Canada to Mexico and had a great trip. Um, so, you know, risky thing, but backup plan. Similarly, when I started Marketo, you know, at the time, my wife was pregnant with our first kid. We had just bought a house and we had our first mortgage. It wasn't exactly when you think, hey, it's time to go start a company and be super entrepreneurial. Mm -hmm. um, but I was able to do it with Phil Fernandez as my co-founder. Mm -hmm. And so, because I wasn't the CEO of Marketo. Um, and so the fact I could hook up with somebody else who frankly, was going to be the lead uh, and and be the driver more than anything else, you know, who had experience and also was going to help be the one raising the money, dramatically reduced the risk there as well. So, you know, maybe I'm just fortunate, but, but I think, you know, smart risks where you have some downside protection is what works for me. I like it. And being flexible and knowing how to pivot. Yeah, yeah. good point. Absolutely, Galen. I'm curious, do you often seek a lot of counsel when you're going to make a risky decision or do you kind of keep your cards close to your vest and only run it by a couple of trusted folks? Like how much opinions do you get when you're about to make a possibly risky move or decision? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, I, as analytical as I am uh, and as quantitative as I am, I think most of the major decisions in my life you know, I've sort of made by gut, you know, or back to kind of, you know, intuitively, um, you know, I think talking about it sometimes is useful, not because I'm so much getting, like, I'm interested in hearing what other people say, but sometimes just the act of talking about it, you know, ultimately is what generates the final conviction in my gut for what the right answer is. John, so what marketing rebel in our culture today needs to be celebrated now and why? Um, yeah, I was thinking that, you know, I mean, in terms of who I admire uh, is Ferris Bueller. How could I possibly be expected to handle school on a day like this? You know, I think, you know, imagine if we all could be like Ferris Bueller in our marketing, you know, who has, you know, both some charisma, has some smarts in terms of how he kind of tricks the family. Um, and just kind of everything works out for him, you know, you know, and I like, that would be, that would be awesome if our marketing could be like that. That's a great answer. So we just need more days off is what you're saying. <laughs> Make your own days off. <laughs> I'm going to watch that movie again.
kind of on the other side of that, you know, instead of what inspires you or what you think we should all be inspired by, it's time now for our Honey, I Don't Think So segment, talking about what's annoying you lately that needs to stop in the marketing or MarTech space. You have 60 seconds to make your case, John. We need to stop focusing on marketing source or marketing influence pipeline and instead focus on every like the total pipeline number. Marketing is not, and sales, is not like a baton handoff anymore where marketing just generates a lead and hands it to the sales. Um, because that linear process doesn't match how buying is happening today. Buying is non-linear. Marketing and sales teams need to work together in a more non-linear way. Rather than a relay race, the better analogy is like a soccer team who has players in different positions, but they pass the ball back and forth. Now, can you imagine a soccer team that puts on the scoreboard, here's the number of points scored by the running or the fullbacks versus the number of points scored by the forwards? It doesn't make any sense. What you care about is the total number. Did we have enough points to beat the other team? And sure, there's a coach that might be tracking the underlying statistics for improvement, but the headline, the thing that you focus on is the total because at the end of the day, you scored the goal as a team. And that's how marketing and sales teams need to be working. Amen, John. I'm with you on that. I think that's a perfect note to end our podcast here. Thank you so much, John, for being a part of this episode. Thanks, everyone, for listening to the Rebel Instinct podcast. Be sure to follow Act On Software for updates and upcoming episodes. And remember to always act on your Rebel Instinct. Until next time.